Welcome to Basic Snitches. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. And for the first time ever, I'm meeting Dan and Victoria. That's right. He's <laughs> never met either of us ever before. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. I say that because the last time we had you two on the podcast, I literally couldn't even. So it's good to actually be recording with you. I also love how we did all of that and then Tara realized that it wasn't recording and we spit that back out exactly how we said it the first time. We're, we're professionals. Amazing. Yes, we're professionals. that's right. Oh, yeah. This podcast is unscripted. But we know when jokes are good and we will make them again. Just <laughs> yes, we will. Good. Sometimes well, yes. I have <laughs> jokes that I will still make and they're not even good. <laughs> Let's see if I end up mentioning Shaka Khan in this episode. Oh, what? It's been a, it's been an episode. Shaka Khan. <laughs> Anytime they go through the fire, which is okay. You know when they're burning down the Weasleys' house, for example. Which makes all the sense. Never. No. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just magically rebuilds. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I mean, hey, it is a magic land. We have Dan and Victoria here. Victoria's presence is really just here, and she will join us if she has something to say. But mostly. She's, She's here to enlighten us with her spirit around us. So today we're not talking about an episode or a chapter. We are talking about, we are talking, never mind. We're talking in an episode. In an episode. This is an episode, it's not a fever dream. (laughs) And this is a subject that I have had the idea for for quite a long time, where we see the seven deadly sins in the series. There are seven books... There are a lot of other sevens. There's seven Weasley children. There are seven floors of Hogwarts. There are seven Horcruxes. There are seven what else? The most those? powerful magic number. Powerful magic number, The most yeah. powerful magic number, seven. Likewise, I wanted to have a conversation about, okay, which characters really embody all of the sins? It's super fun to talk about sin. It yeah. is. Yeah. I'm really good at being a sinner. In the hands of an angry god. In the hands of angry what? Sinners in the hands of an angry goddess, an old. Oh, like, I just said yeah. in sermon. the hand of an angry cow. I mean, because possibly. I, depending but, on what god. Some right, yeah, like, that is very true. That is very true. Someone worships cows, right? Sure. They're holy in India. India, that's where it is. I don't, I don't know if they worship yes. them, but they are holy or revered or whatever the correct term is. Yeah, when you say the sins are fun, that is something that I had found myself really thinking about. I mean, sinning is fun. Let's be clear. What I was going to ask is, like, which of the seven deadly sins do you personally feel you most embody? Because nobody's ever saying, oh, I'm like chastity. Is the, That's the virtue that I really, like, identify with. No one identifies yeah. with the seven holy virtues. That's what I'm trying to say. Unless maybe I mean, you do. Are you <laughs> going to tell us what you think you identify with? Uh, me? Yeah. Yes. In college, one year, me and six other people, we went into seven of these sins. I was wrath. And there are times when I really identify with that too, such as like the last week, for example. <laughs> but if I were really going to identify with any of those, I think envy is something that I can feel a lot. I am a jealous bitch, so on and so forth. Once in a while, everybody partakes in these seven deadly sins. That's absolutely fair. I can think of examples of all of them for virtually everybody I know. Mm. But for me personally, I feel like a lot of people would expect pride, but I'm going to say sloth. How do you feel about (laughs) this, Victoria? They can't hear it when you nod. Oh, there's vigorous nodding. (laughs) Yeah. That's all you need to know. I mean, I I put a lot into projects and stuff and and all that, but in all of the in-between times, I fall into a hibernation mode that fully encompasses law. Yes, I see you being very ambitious. Dan is not a Slytherin. It's up for debate. Officially, I am a Gryffindor. We talked about this previously. I Traits of all four, but officially, I'm a Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going with. 
I do think that you have a lot of... Pottermore told you the first time, it doesn't mean it's true. Told me I was a Slytherin. Now what your wife says, though, that's what's I mean, I do see a lot of Slytherin traits in you, mm-hmm. like pride and ambition and stuff as well. I will go so far to say that there's nothing wrong with when you're not on on mode to be able to like just chill out. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? But I very much encompass the if I'm doing things, I do everything, and if I'm not doing things, I do absolutely nothing. I also think while we're on the topic of sloth, there tends to be like a societal pressure to always be productive. So that's something else that'll be interesting as we go through these Mm. is like, how much have we been programmed to think that this is a bad thing? You know what I mean? Like wrath, anger is an emotion that people have said is negative. In some cases, it might not be a bad thing to be lazy, so on and so forth. So yeah, that's fair. Tara, how do you (laughs) sin? I mean, I sin all the time, all of the things, obviously. Are you reading notes on your phone? I'm, I'm looking at my list of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> I thought you, I was like, you better not be feeding your fucking monsters right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> no monsters. And I know you're not taking pictures of my cat. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm like guilty of all of these things. Right now I'm really struggling with envy though. I think envy is the most like relatable one. Of course, we've all been prideful at certain moments, which is another one that I'm like, okay, maybe extreme versions. All sins are fine in moderation. Do you have thoughts on sin? With, like which sin you are, Victoria? I'm all of them, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was really ready for Tara to be like, I'm a huge slut. Lust. Lust every day, all day. I mean, I guess that's the one I'm not. No, right, think. <laughs> the reason why Victoria said that is Victoria's also Demi. Mm-hmm. Yes. Demi bitches in the house. Also, like, why do you say I'm lust? I'm just making a joke. Because you're a fucking whore potato. Well, That's why. Potato whore, whore potato. potato. Which one's better? Yeah, which one's better? <laughs> I think both are true and very different. What you are talking about is a whore potato, but she is also a potato whore, which is somebody who loves who potatoes. Who loves potatoes. <laughs> See, I think order. But also, makes a you're lot of a sense. potato whore because you also love potatoes. Sure. I don't That's trust true. anyone who's not. Yeah, potato whores so we're, unite. We're all huge <laughs> sluts for potatoes. <laughs> I think that's that's what we found out here. But this isn't about us. It's about the uh, characters in the series. I segue. Let's acknowledge all of our other potato whores, aka our patrons: Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Mary Beth. Megan, Nisi, Nicole, and Olivia. Thank you so much, as always, for being our patrons. You make it so much easier for us to put this podcast on. And we would love some additional patrons to join the group. Uh, Maybe if we can get up to 14, we can determine which of you are sins and which of you are virtues and assign them accordingly. You can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash basicsniches for as low as $3 a month. All right, well, let's get into these characters then. Okay. Do we want to start in just alphabetical, or is there a particular sin that you think is the most exciting to start out with? We could start with the one that's, like, I think the easiest to dismiss for the series and just get it out of the way. What do you think that is? Well, the one that... Requires the least amount of discussion. Honestly, I think it's probably Wrath that requires the least amount of discussion. Oh, see, I disagree. Okay, which one do you have? Gluttony. Okay. I feel like Gluttony is much more side characters. Well, I mean, that's why I was like, let's talk about it and get it over with. Let's do Gluttony first and then Wrath. 
So yeah, what, so right? I think that makes sense. Just get some of the side characters and get some of the more meaty characters with the other ones. Meaty. A good place yeah. to start for gluttony. <laughs> Basically, what we did is each of us have chosen a character that or exemplifies more. one of these sins. <laughs> or more, just in case. like Exemplifies we, oh. is kind of the word, but also, you know, we see Embodies. it in their character yeah. yes. throughout the series. Because mm-hmm. some of these people are not continually like this. That is true. When I think of that, I think of just excess in a way that is different from greed. Because those are the two that I think are comparable a lot. Greed being perhaps a bit more, like, material. Anybody have a really juicy one to start off with? It's not juicy, it's just the obvious one is Dudley. Okay. Dudley is pretty obvious. That's one that I I mean, early books, later on in life, he probably is less gluttonous. Yeah, he definitely goes through some experiences in the fifth and sixth book that... He starts to change his lifestyle and maybe not follow his parents as much, but... Yeah. He is notably one of the few characters that gets made fun of, I think, based on size. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we see it in other places, because Crunchy Thud... Crunchy Thud. Remember from the last episode when I was like, Crunchy Thud would be a good name for the author. Crunchy Thud doesn't know how to write people who are larger without being insulting. Exactly. So yeah, I think that Dudley is very notable. And honestly, most of the people that I wrote down for a lot of these are people that we tend to see as a villain or in less of a positive way. Do you have someone different than Dudley? I do. Because a lot of times gluttony gets associated with food. Yes. And I don't think that that is necessarily true. I agree. Um, So the one that I pulled out is Peeves. Ooh, okay, explain a little bit more. Yeah, well, he is just constantly motivated to continually get the high of the prank and torturing and and all of that. Mm -hmm. So he's continually doing these things that make him feel good. Mm -hmm. So I think it really fits with gluttony that he just has no other purpose other than to torture people for his own fun. Yeah. I really like that. Me too. Yeah. You know, they always say glutton for punishment, things like yeah. that. The way that you describe that, though, saying that he gets the high mm-hmm. from it, mm-hmm. that perhaps is another thing to distinguish it from greed. greed. Yeah. Because my person also is not someone who has to do with food either. Well, sort of. Because I chose Sybil Trelawney. That bitch okay. always drinking cooking sherry. And so yeah. similarly, she's relying on a drug of sorts, which is shitty alcohol in this case, to help her kind of get through her day. She's an interesting one because I talk, obviously, a lot about her and how much I love her. But throughout the series, when you're analyzing it the way that we are, the real human parts of these characters and the areas where they fall short. Yeah, I think there's also an argument for her to be made with her, like, false prophecies where she she loves the reverence that she gets from people for her talents. Mm -hmm. And she continually fights to get that high. Yeah, that is true, too. Someone else kind of in the same vein as Peeves, and then that um, interpretation of Trelawney, and someone that I think we're probably going to see pop up a lot today is the Pink Bitch. And the way that she gets the pleasure out of, like, torturing Harry and things of that. Gluttony for power, so on and so forth. I have her down specifically for another one, but worth bringing her up, too. I did not write her at all. For any of these? No. He didn't oh. want to, you know, have to think about... No, but not putting your energy in that pink place. Yeah. Don't blame you for that. Yeah. I mean, not typical for me, but... Previously, I had said, let's do Wrath next, but let's actually do Greed next, because they are so similar. Okay. And I suppose this is sort of another distinguishing way of this. I'm actually going to go with Horace Slughorn. It's on my list as well. Yeah. For Greed. Yes. Yeah, I think in distinguishing greed, again, it's something that is material gain that 
helps you change your position in life. So mm. gluttony was about the, the high or the personal feeling you get, and greed is your position in life. Mm. So Yes. And actually, the way that you said that is a good distinguishing factor for the three people that are down. But Horace, of course, you know, the collecting of people and, like, how they make him feel. And, I mean, you're totally right. There's not necessarily, like, a high from that, but it makes him feel more appreciated. And important. Um, yeah. I also think of the description of him in this book in particular, which actually happens again at the beginning of our next episode chapter when he's like sitting on a pillow and he's eating crystallized pineapple and all of that and how it seems very like caricaturized and stuff of this like rich well-off or someone who wants to be like that so on and so forth Mm -hmm. what about you tara mundungus fletcher that was another person i Mundungus was on my list for sure i mean we see it a lot in this book obviously but he is a person who at some point in his life did something or had circumstances in which Things were not easy, and he was a thief in the lowest levels of wizarding kind or whatever. And so he uses the advantage of, like, knowing how to get into the Order of the Phoenix headquarters to steal things. Mm-hmm. And bites him in the ass in the seventh book. Which is great, because I don't really like that guy. But he is definitely the embodiment of greed. Yeah. Absolutely. This is not supposed to be a read or anything, Tara, but I like that both the people that you chose seemed really solid within their sin. Like, when you think of the person who's always made fun of for being gluttonous, it's Dudley. <laughs> Right. In this case, it's literally a thief, which mm. I think is such a pure embodiment of that. I try not to be like, you chose like the basic one. That's not what I wanted to come off as. But. It's fine. I didn't always choose the basic one. Good. So. Yeah. I actually had somebody else than either of Ooh. those. Let's see if you have the third person. Or right. So, not encountered yet in your episodes, but Grip Hook is who I came Ooh, up with. No, but that is That's a really yeah. good one. Yes. Yeah, because he is constantly about getting his payout and getting what he thinks his services are worth. And yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and it is a very materialistic thing as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That I didn't really even good. think of him. But oh, I love that. to that's your point, so there are so many things that happen in the seventh book and... We have like 130 pages left of this book after the yeah. next chapter. Yeah, you're close. But from that point, it's like, you know, we're rushing forward. So the only other person that I had mentioned was Rita Skeeter. <laughs> I laugh because I bring her up all the time because she is very similar to to me where she, the listeners are sick of me saying this, but I, there's something about her that I just like. I don't know. She's very fancy. She's also, like, not always lying when she writes shit, so. Well, there's that too. Bitch be putting some real facts out there. Exactly that. She's not always lying, but she does use the truth to, like, push her. Yeah. Yeah. We always say that she is an opportunist. So she definitely fits in the same way that all these other characters do of trying to, like, further their position. Let's go ahead and move to Wrath. Dan, you go ahead and start this one. All right. I think the most obvious one to me for full Wrath was Fenric Rayback. But that's not how we say his name on this podcast. We say it like this. <laughs> but also, your answer is fine, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, it's fine. You don't fur, know how to fur. say it. Fur. Fur. Fur is just constantly just wanting to hurt people. Mm. Uh, I mean, every conversion that he caused to werewolf, I don't think he cared if any of them lived or died, and mm. he just wanted the thrill of hurting them. Yeah, at this point in the book where we are, all we hear about is him hurting people, harming people, and that that's it. And, of course, that he was the one who bit Lupin. 
Yeah, he sucks. I'm sure he bites, actually. You're next. Me? Okay. Well, the two I put down, this is where I kind of feel like I phoned it in. (laughs) Because this is where I put Umbridge. Oh. Here's the thing. I mean, that's a very fair response. We could probably put her down for nearly all of these, especially Lust, because she's such a fucking slut. But for her, I think it starts as like a quiet wrath. Very similar to why I mentioned her for Gluttony, is that she really gets off on the... I don't want to think about Umbridge getting off on anything. But she enjoys the torturing. (laughs) She's just a Harry and stuff. And then when it becomes apparent that she's not getting her way and you see how much she escalates things, it is really, really wild. She sort of utilizes this in elements like when she fires Trelawney or even when she goes after Hagrid and then ends up also putting McGonagall in St. Mungo's and you just see so much of that with her. She was one of the two that I put down. The other person I put down was also a phone but... I think you probably have someone else other than this other person that I wrote down. Oh, mine is going to sound like a phone-in, absolutely, but I don't think it is. I think it's actually an interesting one to talk about. But it's Voldemort. Oh. I put Bellatrix. Was, was uh, Bellatrix, was Bellatrix, other, is, yeah. Bellatrix is on kind of on my <laughs> list. You know, just in general, we see the way that, I mean, obviously, like, this is just how Voldemort operates. But, like, punishing people just for their existence. Like, he literally murders his father and his grandparents because they're muggles. Mm-hmm. Then he makes horcruxes. He kills a fucking classmate just because he can. Mm-hmm. It is scary kind of power, which is why I we've talked about this before. Why I find him to be the more terrifying between him and Grindelwald, because I think Grindelwald Absolutely. has a lot more self restraint. Yeah, um, Grindelwald is the smarter of the two. I think Grindelwald but... has a purpose and a cause that he is trying to yeah. get to. Voldemort just wants the control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Voldemort does also like the focus on pure blood too, but he's not. And so now it's really just about being the big bad guy forever. Yeah. And so whatever that takes, no, he is not the one that tortured Neville Longbottom's parents into insanity, but that could have been on his list. It's not like mm-hmm. he didn't do it to other people, you know? He crucios Harry twice in the series. A child. No, okay, so the well, same time he crucios him, he thinks Harry is dead and he's sure, not a child sure. anymore. But still. But also, like, he's done some pretty awful things to other children, too, throughout the series. Likely killed them, turned them into orphans. I mean, talk about Harry again there, etc. Yeah. Oh, and even when he was yeah. a kid at the orphanage, he, yeah. um, he, he had, like, he literally had fun torturing those kids. Yeah. So, yeah, he's yeah. pretty garbage. Yeah. Now, what I have him down, because I have him for another one, too, is making me think, like, okay, there's some sins that... Kind of like this plus this equals this. Oh yeah, and I'll get there when we get I there. Think, right? I think that a lot of them like blur together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. The reason why I did not choose Bellatrix ultimately for mine is because she's such a wild card. She is so unrestrained it's and it's pure chaos. Yeah, Completely. I feel like wrath isn't even the right but, word for her. Yeah, it's chaos. Yeah, chaos. Truly. Yeah, and in in the combination. Like you were just saying, I feel like it's wrath plus lust. Yeah, but you get these you get these moments that it's like she's torturing somebody and she's almost like dancing because of it. Like just breaks out into giggles is what I imagine is happening. Yeah, exactly. She feels wacky in some ways. Thank you. You read my mind. 
Speaking of random in mind, you mentioned that you had Bellatrix for Lust. I did, but I had lots of people for Lust. That's okay. Let's actually talk about Lust because it was kind of like... I I like Lust. I do not. I do like Lust. But I I went a couple interesting directions for Lust, I feel like. The first one that I put for Lust is a little more obvious, I feel like. And I put Marope. I had her down as well. I also had her. I had her. She was actually my third person, and all of mine are kind of similar, but I like that you had her too. Give us a little bit more about that. When I was putting her down, I had, like, some level of conflict in my mind because lust is definitely where it fits, but there's also just this sadness of she just wants connection with somebody and isn't getting it, but because she found this cute boy in town and, like, cannot get over just that singular cute boy, it really reads as lust to me because it's hyper-focused on just that. Now, very funnily, you had said Bellatrix is, like, wrath plus lust. I almost feel like Marope is lust plus envy. Okay, yes. Because she's jealous of that Cecilia bitch. She's oh, like, she's... ooh, she got the nice hair and she can blink. And she got my man. <laughs> <laughs> she's jealous of Cecilia's eyelids. <laughs> I keep on pointing to my bust over there. Like, that's Cecilia. That's Cecilia. What but a bitch. I already named her, though. That's Linda. Lin- I painted, Listen, Linda. I painted Linda gold. So Marope was also on my list. (laughs) Very similarly to Marope, but I'm not sad about it because he sucks. Snape! (laughs) Okay. Okay, so I I thought about him for this, but I don't have him here, and we'll get into it. I have him in more than one place, but I put him here as well. His obsession is literally affecting how he lives his entire fucking life. So the reason why, because I agree that it's obsession. We've Mm -hmm. talked about that a lot, and we have actually... Our next upcoming special episode is going to be somewhat focused on Snape. And it's good to bring that up because, speaking of lust, our special guest during that is Sarah Price. So something else for you to look forward to. The reason why I don't have him down for lust is because the obsession feels more internal, whereas lust is a lot more external, if that makes sense. I Yes. He's the type of person who I can see, like, jacking it off to pictures of Lily in his, like, parents' basement. Which... I mean, probably I guess there's a case for lust there. Right. But probably what happened. Definitely what mm. happened. I mean, like, Voldy flat out says that Snape fancied Lily. Like, even Voldemort knew. Yeah. So it's not like it's something that was just done in private, you know? Yeah. It's just the fact that it continued that was mm. private, you know? That only Dumbledore knew. And even then, he even comments on it, you know? But everyone, I think, knew. Yeah. I think we'll get more into, I guess... The other elements of this, because I, for the other one where I have him down too. So I had Marope gone down. I have two other ladies down. I got all ladies down for less. I got a man. You got a man? A man. Yeah. Who's your man? Gellert Grindelwald. <laughs> I like how you said Ooh. that. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah. I was thinking about this a lot because, you know, his motivation is definitely in making the world more quote-unquote pure in his mind but there's so much about his want for that friendship with Dumbledore and all of these things that really pushes all of that over the edge to the point that it becomes you know his long run of terror none of it would have happened if he hadn't met Albus and hadn't had those feelings for him yeah gay lust in this case my two are very heterosexual lust, and the first one is Romilda Oh, yeah. Who I obviously do not care for. Uh, if, 
as much of Yeah, if you've listened to this, season, you know we don't stand. And, like, hers, I mean, to be devil's advocate to what I said before, it's like she has an obsession with Harry Man. Like, the way that Hermione is like, don't take anything from Imelda Vane, and then they go into the common room, and... She's like, I just made this delicious beverage, and I have no one to drink it. Here you go, Harry. Oh, no, thanks. I'm not taking dairy this <laughs> month or whatever. Oh, okay, well, I made these cauldron cakes. How about this? Like, she's trying to push it on him in mm. any way that she yeah. possibly can. And that's really, I think, the only thing that we see about with her mm-hmm. in the series. It's like she is focused on this very obsessed sort of thing. And then the other one that I had done was Moaning Myrtle. Ah, uh, yes, there it is. Mostly yeah. because she, and like some of this is in the movies. She is horny as too. fuck for those teenage boys, yeah. man. Yeah, like I just think of the bath scene. And oh my god, but also think of the bath scene in Cursed Child. Gosh, yes, yes. I thought you were to say think of the bath scene in Pops. Pops no. I mean also, <laughs> which I think was kind of inspired by Cursed Child. Probably. Matt Cox was like, yeah, we gotta do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, it's funny because when you first think of Moaning Murder, you think of her being mopey and maybe even more, like, sloth. But when you really, like, look at her personality and take away the death aspect of it, she is a skank. (laughs) Well, she got halted at this point in her life where she was this awkward teen and just, like, wanted to have that Mm -hmm. teen romance and never got it. Now she never will, so she is hyper-focused on getting that. That's very Lestat. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You heard it here first. My Myrtle is also a vampire. <gasps> Maybe she's yeah. friends with Sanguini. Aw, Sanguini. Uh, that, there we go. We ship it. <laughs> Morning Myrtle and Sanguini. Sloth. Okay, the, <laughs> this is another place where I phoned it in. First person I wrote down was Bethilda Bagshot. She's a literal corpse, Adam. I know, <laughs> but... She can't even brush those flies off her face. I bring up this reference all the time in this podcast, can never remember what it is. And I think it's Mrs. Havisham. Great expectations? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, thank God, I finally yes. fucking remembered it. I was like, Dan's gonna know this, too. There are several times where we see that Mrs. Havisham thing. I think I actually mentioned it with Marope, maybe, even. There's Didn't been several. Didn't you mention it with, um, what the fuck was her name? Because we always forget. Well, this, it's the, not helping. The, <laughs> the, 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 the one with the, that he stole the cup and the... The oh my god, Hepzibah Smith. Hepzibah Smith. Yes, We never very, remember very her bad. fucking name. You remembered it this time. And very, I very bad. Cupcake bitch. Cupcake yes. bitch. <laughs> we, her name is, we have, a, we have a name for everybody in the mm-hmm. program. Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about Purple Girlfriend for Lust, although yeah. that is a little bit different. That's a little bit more Purple like, Girlfriend just living her life. She purple Girlfriend is Leonard Brown. <laughs> I assumed. <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel like just, that's super lusty, though. It's not. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's teenager shit. Lots of snogging, yeah. but not super lusty. Yeah, there's a little bit more innocence there. But this is the Avisham thing. When we see, <laughs> she might be a literal corpse, but I was thinking of what her house is like. It makes me think of the movie Seven <laughs> with mm. Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow. What do you mean about the Seven Deadly Sins? The, the, yeah, I know. Wow. Something I say all the time, like around the holidays and stuff, is people be like, ooh, what's in here? And I'm always, it's like Shaka Khan through the fire. It's Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow's head. I say that all the time. In that movie, the sloth portion, which is at the pretty close to the beginning, it's like such an infested person's like former house. Yeah, the hoarder situation definitely. Yeah. Literally, the first person I thought it was. And I, see, I, my brain see, is always like, I think because she's I dead, would, it's like that. I would think she was a hoarder before she was dead, though. I think that I think, I that think you I could agree. be right. I yeah. just never thought about it that way. Yeah. I mean, she's a writer of like history books and stuff. She probably collects a lot of things. 
No, I could see that. I just never thought of it that way. And I'm just like, well, she's a corpse, so... Would you rather be a hoarder or Horcrux? She's both, so... Sorry, Bethilda Bagshot. Editing note here, Bethilda Bagshot is actually not a Horcrux, I believe. We talk about this more in the next episode. Stay tuned. Okay, we're on Sloth. Yeah. Correct. Here you have. Go ahead. All right, my first one is Lockshart. I also had Lockshart. Ooh, yes. Lockshart for this one. Okay. You too lazy to do shit, so you'll be stealing. Yeah, yeah he didn't do any of the Other things that he lives. said he did. So this is funny because, obviously, I have him done for another one, too, and you all probably know who it is. But it's funny because in that same way, he has the same greed in the Mundungus way. He's oh, yeah, stealing, absolutely. But it's sloth plus greed in a way. Yeah, I think there's some argument against this where it's a little more cowardice than sloth, but it also is very much sloth where he just, oh, I'm not wasting my effort doing that. I can just obliviate them and write the book. But it's also cleverer than the other person I have down, so that's fair. Yeah. Hmm. The other person I have is very much not clever. It is Grop. Oh, Grop. Grop very sloth. No, 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 the Grops. The Grops. You know about the Grops. I do know about the Grops. The Grops is sloth. The Grops very sloth. The Grop's very sloth, yes, agree. The Grop's not necessarily to understand, though. No. <laughs> He's slow he content in, in his several sloths. different ways. Right? I, too, am content in my sloths. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. See, sloth is one of the ones that... We all were like, yes. <laughs> well, I was going to say, this is one of the ones that I don't relate to as a lust and sloth. I don't have a lot of either of those I do, because I'm always kind of doing things. And the way that I look at it is when I'm not doing stuff and I'm just like chilling. Yes, exactly. I did not thought of drops at all. The other thing is when I'm also trying to relax, my brain is like, nah, bitch, you're not. Think of that thing that you said three years ago. So it's really hard for me to embrace that one. But I like that. The drops. Do you have anyone else on your list? I do. I also had, in the theme of Lockshart, I put down Quirrell. Because he's just a parasite. <laughs> like, you're the host to a parasite. <laughs> like, he's not doing anything. He's just like, all right, Voldy's eating my brain. Apparently he's good at trolls. He's good at trolls. <laughs> he's good. Yeah, he's good with trolls. Makes it sound like he'd be fucking trolls. <laughs> so the one I had is Skinny Dick. Okay. Um, you know who Skinny Dick is, right? I knew when she said it, and then it just left my mind. Peter Pettigrew. Yes. Yeah. Just like the way that he is the kind of person who always surrounds himself with people who are bigger and smarter and better than him and more powerful. Adam is getting more wine. <laughs> I did all the best sign language. So, so good. So good. No, I had to, I had to like announce it because it made me happy. Oh. Um, and I was talking about skinny dick, so I needed a break because that guy sucks. You know, he, he did it with the Marauders. All of them were like smarter and more talented and better than him. Obviously, a lot of it's a big level of cowardice. Well, yeah, but he rides on their coattails. Yeah, he does. So he's like, oh, yeah, you guys are doing great things, and if I'm standing next to you, people will see me as great, too. That was actually the first one that came to mind, and I was like, why did that come to my mind? And then I'm like, oh, right. Even, like, in the beginning of this book, when we see him with Snape. When he's making margaritas? Yeah, if you don't want to call it him, call it Scabbers. Scabbers is all about Snape. He's legit, like, a fucking rat for 13 years, which honestly sounds like a really good life. He did have it made, yeah. You'd rather live in a teenager's pocket for 13 years? I don't think so, Beach. I mean... You'd be getting all the snacks. Yeah, I can hear you say that. Yeah. Next. Who don't like snacks? I don't know. You also would be getting all them erections. He was Percy's rat first. Oh, <laughs> and then Percy went from rats to cocks. In the last episode, you said something about like how 
Percy was eating crow. And then we move on. And I'm like, why the fuck did I not say no, Terry? He's usually eating cocks. And that's concludes sloth. That's concludes sloth, indeed. Let's move on to Envy. Go for it. There's somebody else that I feel really strongly about for this one. But this is where I have Snape. Because I, what I wanted to I say... I have him there, too. ...was basically that Snape is like lust plus envy. Because mm-hmm. he's so j- fucking jealous. And some of that jealousy is what his entire storyline is. It's just he passes it on to Harry. And he's jealous of Harry. And he's jealous of Jane. That's where I felt like he belonged even more than lust in my opinion but perhaps Mm. it's more of a combo of both of them i think snape also just inherently has that and everything even before he gets to school he's very envious of the kids who have two wizarding parents because you know he adopts Mm. the half-blood prince moniker Mm -hmm. i think that is the whole reason he becomes a death eater in the end is is that envy and it's a little bit along the same line as why i chose sloth for peter pettigrew is that, like, safety in a space where something else is going to envelop him, some sort of level of power and status envelops him in a different way than what Peter was looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, because Snape is a lot more ambitious and much smarter. Yeah, in the same way, he hides in that, you know? Yeah. Um, I had yeah. a similarly obvious answer of Draco. Yeah. He on my list. Definitely. Oh, yeah. All of his motivation every time is like, oh, this person has this really cool thing. Well, I'm going to get this better cool thing. <laughs> I like that how you even like channeled a little bit of Harry Potter musical Draco yeah. over there. I love Harry Potter musical Draco. Yes. <laughs> what says you? Well, I have Hermione Granger. Ooh, I thought about Hermione. Fun, fun, fun. I mean, the, and in the middle totally of right. this book, it is very palpable. Mm-hmm. It's not just that she is envious of Lavender, it's that she does not know how to deal with it because it's such a foreign thing for her. Mm -hmm. I think she's actually pretty insufferable about her levels of envy in this book. Even beyond this book, she has it too. I mean, in book two, when she is so obsessed with her look and when she turns into the cat and is mortified by it and then fixes her teeth permanently. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. that's in the fourth book. Is uh, the teeth teeth in the fourth book, yes. What I was going to say is some of that is even more pride, perhaps, but there's a thin line between envy and pride, I think. I think so. And to that point, she always has to be the best. Mm -hmm. When Harry is better than her. She's so upset. Yeah. I think this is why we've been sitting on, like, Team Harry for so long, this book, with Harry and his Half-Blood Prince book obsession, because Crunchy Thud has made Hermione insufferable Mm -hmm. with her level of jealousy, because she can't possibly... Be second to Harry in another thing. She's already second to him in Defense Against the Dark Arts. So this is unacceptable. And I was like, this is really not making me like Hermione. I have said for a while how book one, kids are kids. Book two is kind of Hermione's book. Where Hermione's being a little bit better than Ron. Or is it the opposite? I can't even remember at this point. But two, three, four, and five, you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yes. One of them is like, this is their bad book and their good book. This book, it seems pretty even. They both have some really high points. They both have some really low points. And it feels more real to me, I guess. But I love that you mentioned that Hermione didn't even come up with me. But you're so fucking right. I'm also realizing just now that I had put Ron down for gluttony as well and didn't mention it, but that was more of a joke. Mm. (laughs) Because he can't stop eating, especially when it's a giant bowl of jello. But then you're like, oh, Ron comes from a poor family, so... (laughs) So it's fine. Eat up, honey. (laughs) Eat your your foods. But also Ron in Envy. You have Ron for Envy, too. I do. (gasps) Honey, talk. 
about this. I mean, I, I, you, guys you guys don't? You guys didn't think of Ron? I do not think it. No, Ron I have two other Ron people. Ron has here. how many brothers? Yeah. Like, it's, I think, yeah. I, I felt yeah. like Ron was, the, like, the most basic answer that wasn't Snape here. That's fair. Wow. I see, for me, I always think of how Ron is so complacent to just be like, all right, I'm the youngest kid. But I think you're probably right. There's some of that. I mean, also, too. like, he didn't talk to Harry for the first quarter of Cobbled of Fire. There's that. That's His, some pretty Well, and, and that's, like, this, it's also a commentary on Ron's character growth and his character as a whole with how he deals with the fact that his best friend is literally Harry fucking Potter, the chosen one who is going to save the wizarding world, you know. Who's rich. Who's rich. Rewind to he's famous at 16 months old. He is his best friend. So, like, Ron, I think, probably lives in a constant state of comparative feelings about Mm -hmm. Harry. And honestly, even when he's being a dick about it, even when he's being severely, like, envious and jealous over Harry, he lives in that space. I did not write down a single trio member for any of these, oh. actually. <laughs> Ron it. was the only one I put for gluttony, but it was kind of as a joke. Yeah, same. Um, I did not think of them at all. I tried really I, hard. Yeah, I, I kind like of that. tried to avoid them, I guess. Not necessarily consciously, but yeah. for Envy, my initial first thought was Petunia. Mm-hmm. I have the Dursleys down. I just put them together. Oh, yeah, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think... Keeping I think up Petunia appearances. Cool Keeping up appearances. Mm-hmm. Petunia specifically being the sister of a, a magical girl. Mm-hmm. And all of the scenes that you get of her younger with Snape and Lily are oh, yeah. a big envy thing. Because it's her wanting to go to that school or not wanting Lily to have it because she can't. You know, it's funny. I put the Dursleys down as a whole, but I think that is probably more correct. Is that Petunia is Envy. We didn't mention him for Wrath, but Mr. Dursley... Mr. Dursley? <laughs> I'm sorry, for a second I, I was like, wait, what's his name? Mr. Mr. Dursley, that's what it is. But, like, he turns into the Kool-Aid man anytime he gets yeah, angry. Kool-Aid like, man. come on. Yeah. And then we mentioned Dudley for Gwen. Did you have anybody else? No, Petunia? I also put down Marietta Edgecombe. I see it and I don't, but she was the first person that popped into my head. Speaking of keeping up appearances, I get the feeling that she's hanging out with Cho, she's chumming and hanging around all these other kids. She feels like it's the wrong thing to do from a certain standpoint, but she wants to support her friend. Like, she's conflicted and everything. Like, she doesn't quite know what direction to go into. There's a little bit more confusion with her than perhaps envy, but some of that is in there. And so Mm -hmm. she's the first person that I had thought of. You know, like, whose side am I going to be on? Am I going to, like, play by the rules? Or am I going to do this? Also, like, she's maybe jealous of Harry. Maybe. And, like, the way Cho is, like... Fawning over... Well, I'm trying to Cho's fawning over him, but, like... What if Mary Edgecombe... I mean, yes. Why can't I say Marietta? Marietta What if she's a lesbian? Yes! What if she's a crush on Cho is what I was going to say. Well, Cho is the hottest girl in school. Haven't you read these books? The Patil twins are the hottest girl in school. I know. That's true. They are. And then... then (laughs) Maybe Marietta Edgecombe planned Cedric's death. Oh, oh my god. You heard it here I first. Think we're didn't cover Plot twist. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. What a Mary Ed. Why can't I say your name? It's just like fucking the thing that they do in the. Marietta the Hairbrush. Marietta Hair. That's harder to say. <laughs> I think that's easy. Marietta Hairbrush. Marietta Edgecombe. Curly I did it right both of those times. Who are you talking <laughs> Yes, she has a crush on Cho. But going back to what. Dan said it was, what if she was a Death Eater all along? What and if she, she was, was a Death Eater all along? She was working with them to kill Cedric Diggory. I like that. That's so that more interesting than Joe. me just going, she is very attached to her best friend and doesn't realize that she's in love with her. 
instead? No, she definitely plotted against Cedric. <laughs> that Dan, took a turn, and Dan, I'll take it. Dan unearthed that one, and I think it's true. I don't know. That's what I I'm don't... here for, conspiracy theories, like 100%. I said. We say so many things are canon. We should go back and see what we said is canon and be like, let's write a new series? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> So we're now moving on to our seventh and final sin, and this is the one where I feel like there are the most cases. Beyond what I've already written down, which I wrote down four people, but we've mentioned some other ones, like Hermione isn't on my list, but when we were talking about Mm -hmm. her envy capabilities, I think that it also shows how prideful she is, so on and so forth. So who wants to kick us off with pride? You should. Well, maybe all of these are obvious, but this is where I have Voldemort. I also have Voldemort. Pride. See? I have literal list on this one. Same. Contrary to what we said previously about Voldemort being wrath as well, I think that he exemplifies all of these sins so fucking well. Well, we've talked about greed, right? We've talked about gluttony, envy, pride, wrath. I mean, perhaps there's even some lust in there. Maybe he, the only one he doesn't really fit is sloth. I mean, he's all about being, like, the most I mean, powerful wizard. I don't know if he laid around for, like, 13 years. <laughs> I guess so, but I don't Sitting think he would have chosen Sitting in a tree stump. How fucking lazy can you be? He didn't have legs, okay? Give that, Voldemort a fucking break. That, that doesn't stop Peeves from wreaking havoc all over Okay, Hogwarts. fine, but he can fly. And little <laughs> cocaine baby wasn't able to, so. But definitely Voldemort, well, that's the one that really popped out to me for him. And I'm going to say this other one because this is the person who spawned this idea in my head. And that is Gilderoy Lockhart. Being pride because his ego is what makes me want to like throttle him. He is on my list. Yes. So yeah, I think he this. definitely fits in pride. I liked him much better for sloth, so I left him out of the pride. I like list, that you put him for yeah. sloth. Though. Oh, I, I would have thought that. You, I used names multiple times. Yeah. Both of those, I think, really speak for themselves, and I have two more. But who's next? The biggest obvious one that I immediately thought of was Luscious Boy Toy. I have the mouth Luscious Boy as a Toy. Whole. Yes. I mean, the fact that he uses only the most top-tier hair products... Listen, he got good hair. ...to make his beautiful mane so (laughs) fucking sleek. Obvious. But, yeah, the Melvins as a whole. Absolutely, their family image is the only thing that's important to them. Even beyond supporting the Dark Lord, he is a Death Eater because it raises his status and power. Mm -hmm. And that's it. The other one that I initially wrote down is a deep cut that I was actually really proud of is Oliver Wood. Oliver Wood is Oliver all about Wood. pride. He is very prideful. But like we love him so we don't care. I don't know if I ever would have thought of Oliver Wood. Do you want my not so deep cut? Percy Weasley. I knew you were gonna say this. Yeah. I knew it. I have so many Because like, he list. loves to go to Pride right there. So, so helpful. I don't really know that I need to elaborate too much on Percy, but whenever we always look at Percy, we're like, oh, but he's so not Gryffindor-esque. There he is. That is his number one attribute in life. You know, it's funny that you say that, because I always think of Pride as a Slytherin thing, but it's very much a Gryffindor it's very, thing. Well, it's absolutely. a Gryffindor thing, too. Personal image. It's just they have different ideas of what the ideal image is, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think that Percy, not similarly to Ron, but kind of along in like a parallel, is he's also also in a situation of feeling constantly compared and Absolutely. unlike ron he does a thing it's not great about it you know ron just kind of accepts it and lives in that space which is one reason why we do love ron because it's almost humbling 
as much as we want to shake him a lot of times. For Ron, that space of envy and understanding you're being compared is humbling for him. But for Percy, it's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the reasons why he is the way he is. And he is so prideful that he is literally willing to, like, write his family off. Yeah. Do you think there's some amount of Percy's response that has helped Ron to not have a similar one? I wonder... I really think that mm. that could be a huge part of it. Interesting. Does anyone else have like a lot of people on their list? Because I do. Well, you had mentioned Luscious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the other person that is on my list is Cormac McLeg. Okay. Yep. Yep. He on my list too. Because a lot of the people that I focused on were villains or people that we don't typically like. I mean, the fact that his trajectory is basically, I'm the best Quidditch player, and then he gets on. He, like, didn't exist in the first five books. Yeah. Can you imagine if we had him multiple times in the series? When we were talking about doing this book, I was like, oh, we've got Cormac, we've got Lavender. But Lavender, I've been able to be a little bit more understanding of. That's fair. Cormac... Not so much. No. And Lavender we see elsewhere. We couldn't have Cormac all throughout this series. Going back to the villain thing, Cormac is one of those characters that isn't necessarily like a villain. He's, He's not, not likable no. in the same way that Lockshart is. Yes. Like, Lockshart and Cormac McLaggen are two of my like least favorite characters in the series by far. I would probably put them under, I know this is extreme, but Bellatrix, because Bellatrix, there's something kind of like fun having to do with her. The, yeah. The podcast and death ladies mentioned that, you know? One of the faces that I would most like to punch in the series. Cormac McLean. You said you had a list. I do. I do. There are two more people on my list that we have not talked about. Okay. One of them is Dumble. Okay, Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, literally, more. like, he he flexed in real hard in, like, the fifth book. He's like, oh, no, I'm too good for you. I will not go to Azkaban. Magic that no one expects is going to come, and then he gets the fuck out. He's unstoppable. A lot of that is his pride. And, of course, in the seventh book, we get a lot of that explanation in the Cross chapter, mm-hmm. where his memory, whatever the fuck it is Harry talks to, we get the backstory on him, we get the backstory on how his family kind of fell apart after Grindelwald was around, and how he approached his responsibility to his younger siblings and all of that. Yes, Dumbledore. Cool. Who else did you have? The last one is more like, I don't think this character embodies pride, but we see a hint of it here and there, and that's Harry Potter. I had a feeling that your last one would be Harry Potter. You even said this in one of the last episodes, or maybe it was one of the fishbowls. He doesn't say necessarily that he's like the chosen one. He does in the movie. But... He does in the movie. I think Harry's level of pride is very human. Kind of in the way that a lot of the characters that we've not necessarily mentioned, but we're like, oh, they could, I could see a little bit of that. I think Harry does have a little bit of that, particularly in the fifth and sixth books. I mean, he's very brash in the fifth book with how he handles Umbridge, with how he thinks he knows the right answer to everything. Which is a level of pride, I think. He also is literally humbled immediately whenever he does fuck up due to his pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just again, like, I was like, there's a touch of it. And I also was trying to find a way to include all three of the trio. Yeah, he very much always has this air of, well, I'm the one who had to experience this. I'm the one who has to do the next thing. It's me. It's a lot of the taking the responsibility onto himself and very much the weight of the world on his shoulders, which is... Also, though, a real thing mm. for him that he takes very literally. The, actually, yeah. the chapter that we read for today, he and Dumbledore have that very extensive conversation where Dumbledore is like, you've decided that you have to do this because that's how you think. Because Harry can't see it any other yeah. way. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is that when you add in the amount of trauma that he has and that perhaps being 
excuse is the wrong word, but when you look at the way that we are showcasing pride in him, that probably has an effect on it. Oh, know? absolutely. Again, like, I think the cool thing about having this conversation was that not necessarily were we being like, this is a very negative thing about this person. This plays a part in the definition of their personality and how it's portrayed within the series and everything. Yeah. So. so for our game, in contrast to Seven Deadly Sins, I would love to quickly go through the seven Christian virtues. I knew you were going to say that when you were like, we just, in contrast to it, I was like, oh no, now we're going to get like nice and shit. <laughs> hmm. These aren't as fun. Is Temperance one of them? Yes, Temperance is one I of them. I like Temperance, but that's also a tarot card that matches with my birthday, so that's why I like it. <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll just do it really quickly. Okay. Okay. Wait, what's the name of this? Virtue fun. Yeah. Let's get virtuous. Let's get virtuous. Let's get virtuous. 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 <laughs> wow, we really, really made some beautiful music We're together, didn't we? amazing. <laughs> I'm so impressed. That's oh. okay. We are, how much is this bottle of wine is left? Almost none of it. Yeah. So. so, two bottles of wine. Okay, so the first one, the virtue temperance. to temperance is, give me a person. So someone who is not gluttonous. Dobby? I That's love good. that. <laughs> my, my initial thought was Neville. Neville! That's a good one. Yeah, I do like that one. Even though we just talked about him, I said Harry. I already had a list of people, so I cheated yeah, on this game. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I know like, that this is, like, rapid fire. I'm just trying to think, like, who's trying to, like, not get that high? I'm thinking of, like, early baby Harry, like, book one. You know, another one, perhaps, that is good for temperance is McGuh. I just like the thought of Dobby. I love it. Just the thought of him. Anytime just I can think of, of Dobby. Um, ready to move to the next one is the virtue contrast greed is charity or generosity Harry yeah Harry's definitely good for Sirius also seems like a decent yeah. choice to me yeah Sirius is a great one for that so I put down Molly Weasley oh okay. yeah see we I, I was just so much focused on people who are sinning and now I can't think of any of the good people in this series that's fair I mean all those people are also guilty of the things that's fine yeah um, I believe we talked about wrath next. So the virtue is patience. Well, you could almost say that like Voldemort was patient because he had to spend 13 years in that stump. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> I He's wrathful that, I, and patient. Yeah. In the contrasting opposite, I do think Dumbledore has a level of patience. Yeah. It decreases throughout the series. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely. You know who must have a lot of patience is Professor Sprout. Because she'd be growing things. And sometimes, I mean, yes, magic exists. But... Literally, though, patience. I have McGonagall. Yeah, that was the next one that came out See, I don't, I don't know if McGonagall has that much patience. She's very, like, strict. Maybe she is more patient than I give her credit for. Lust. Chastity. Okay, so who ain't fucking? I mean, Myrtle, that's why she's so lusty. <laughs> I guess. Not so quite she, not, she, not, she chased, but not by choice. You know, I found myself thinking of, like, Cho and Cedric. I really am thinking of Cedric. Cedric I feel yeah. like Cedric, bless him, I don't think he He's ever just got to do the deed before he died. Good Christian boy. Little precious boy. My boy! Oh! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bad images in my head. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the best I can come up with. Yeah. yeah. That's a weird one for this series. It's a little bit of a horny series. We, it's a horny it's, series. I mean, the and series like, is about fucking teenagers. What do you want? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. I think I gotta go. Hopefully the Grops. Hopefully, Hopefully the Grops. You know, potentially Hagrid. No, Metamax. No, Metamax. That's true. Exists. They've been fucking up in those mountains. This one's hard. Next. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> the next one I have is Virtue to Sloth is Diligence, which I mean, Hermione. Hermione yeah. for sure. Uh, I would say Snape. Yeah. I mean, to an extent, Harry. I mean, I think very much of how obsessed he is with what Draco's doing. I mean... <laughs> Which is a fair thing for him to be obsessed about. It's, he's diligent about it, you know? Like, when he puts yeah. his mind to something, he's very, very diligent. Oh my god, you know who we didn't talk about for Sloth? Hmm. This is the most obvious character ever, and that is Hooch. <laughs> yeah. She got snaps Oh my to take. god, damn it. Well, we're mentioning it now. Hooch yeah. for Sloth. So she's not diligent. Hell no. No. She's she, napping. She's napping, exactly. There's so many diligent ones, but I think it blends in a little bit more. Yeah, I do feel like Hermione is the... Epitome. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the next one is the virtue for envy, gratitude, or kindness. I'm going Luna. Now this one, now Luna is a great one. Hagrid, for mm-hmm. sure, Hagrid, yeah. for this one. I was hoping that there would be one, because I do not remember what the virtues are. I was hoping that there would be one that is more like innocence. Maybe that is the opposite of pride, but I feel like this is the best one that kind of encompasses that, and Hagrid is is one of them. And I mean, from the same childish kind of standpoint, Luna too, yeah. for sure. Yeah, there's more wonder with those two. Um. Yeah. So I think that they both can embody gratitude or kindness. Even Harry, from time to time. We spend so much of the series in his head and in the same space as him. We get so much reflexiveness that it's impossible to not see when he does have gratitude towards others. You know, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I thought that was really important to bring up. You know what's funny is like gratitude is something I focus a lot on with like my meditating and stuff. And envy is the one that I said at the beginning that I could relate a little bit more. So maybe that's Very a good human. thing. Ready yeah. for the last one? Yes. Pride. The virtue is humility in which I'm putting... Both Hagrid and Neville. This is yeah, where I would probably put Neville. I feel like there's a case that he is prideful, but I feel like humility also fits Victor Crumb. Yes, I like I that. Th- I like that too. I mean, I think that uh-huh. humility fits Harry in some regards too. Yeah. You know? And even sometimes Dumbledore. Less obviously, but like it's there. Some of these later ones, and maybe it shows that we win the sins in the correct order. Some of these later ones, it's hard to find a character that matches them. Like, unless it's someone blanket, you know, Hagrid, Neville. These are characters that, like, we've mentioned multiple times. Yeah. It is making me think, like, okay, are there less, like, good characters in the series than I thought? But more than that, I think it's just that it shows how, like, robust they are. Yeah. And how there's going to be a little bit of the good and a little bit of the bad. And at the end of the day, a lot of these things are just arbitrary and made up anyways. Because fiction. Yes. The (laughs) Bible. So, yeah, that was a fun one, guys. Yeah. Yeah. We are are not experts on the seven deadly sins. We just like to chat about it. It's just an interesting thing. It's something I've always been interested in. The concept... What I'm left thinking about, though, more than anything, I know we say this a lot, especially after these special episodes, but who did we forget that matches up some of these sins or any of the virtues? Because that game just got me thinking about, like, a lot of different people 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it was really interesting having three different perspectives and seeing mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. aligned and what was different. And, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's absolutely correct. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, just, it's really interesting. And like you said, we're not experts on this at all, but it's still mm-hmm. a fun conversation. It's it great is. to see other people's views. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, like Hermione. Like when you said Hermione for Envy, that one, I was like, well, no shit. Of course. But I hadn't thought of that at first. Has anybody else read Dante's Inferno? No. I had to read it in college, and I can't remember, but I think they had said that, like, Wrath and Envy are two of the ones deeper. Central circles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, Gluttony, Greed, Sloth, some of those are more on the outskirts of it. I mean, in a way, you could kind of see how some of these build upon each other. Pride and Envy are so similar. There's similarities to Greed and Gluttony, obviously, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So, pretty interesting. Well, next time, we are going to still have Dan and Victoria here, even though Victoria's in the background playing My Swinging Monsters on her iPad. No. She has no idea what that game is, I promise. It's a fun game. And we are going to be discussing a chapter, chapter and that chapter 23. is... Horcruxes. Horcruxes. So, we finally got that memory, so now we, we learn got, what we, we all about things. had figured was actually in that memory. Oh, yes. We will talk to you then. See you then. Bye. 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 I was going to say, you better say goodbye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taren Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!